Hello and welcome back to episode 4 of Two Nerds Walk In. This is the Pinball Wizard episode. I'm Randy Boyles. And I'm Aaron Simon. And today we are here to talk about Pinball Expo 2016 that Aaron recently attended in Chicago. And we're going to go a little bit into the history of pinball machines, talk about some of the cool things he saw at the show, maybe do a little pinball trivia. So, Aaron, tell us all about pinball. Okay, so pinball's been around roughly, uh, the mechanisms and everything, they've actually been around since the 1700s as far as just the spring-loaded spring launcher goes. Mm. The examples of, like when we were talking before the show, are the little toys that you would get where you pull this little plunger, it would hit the ball up and land in a slot effectively. Picture Plinko, almost, from uh, a game show. Price is right, there we go. Yeah, picture something like Plinko. They were initially gambling machines. They became popular in the mid-1800s is when they started becoming produced for people to have, because rich people like to have stuff other people can't. And then in the early 1900s, they would become coin-operated little gambling machines. Now, because they were coin-operated gambling machines, a lot of towns just outlawed them pretty much outright. They're, I mean, they're effectively slot machines at that point. There is a little more skill than a slot machine, because... You're pulling a plunger, you can control the power that goes in, but other than that, it's real luck of the bounce on it. Okay. Uh, One of the big companies that got over there was Gottlieb, which is a huge pinball maker later on in life, and that's one of the bigger ones that was in around then. In the 19, a little after, not long after they became popular in the early 1900s, in like the 1920s, 30s, we got electrification and bumpers. So now they're a little bit better. They're mechanical now. We can manipulate the ball a little bit more. And then 1947 is more or less when pinball, as we understand it, became a thing. Because we put flippers in. So it now took, it's less gambling, and it's a game. So so it took two world wars before we could push buttons to get flippers? Oh, indeed. All right. Indeed. We... Remember, man, technology just boomed back then. It developed, like, within days. So, like, the first... the, f- the f- I don't know if you know this or not, but the first flippers, were they, like, the button flippers that we think of? Or was it, like, was there, like, a lever on the outside you had to pull? Um, I'm pretty sure they were still... So I've played old pinball machines that predate pretty much everything but flippers, and they're still button flippers. Okay. Because they're electrical at this time. Gotcha. And yeah, so they still plug in, like, they still have all the lights, and they have all the noises that people think of when they think of old school pinballs of, like, the cling and clangs of bells and stuff. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if there are some, like, harder level flipper, uh, lever flippers, kind of like at the Super Ball game, the little Super Bouncy Balls yeah. at grocery stores. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised that there's some out there like that, where you gotta push kind of hard to get any kind of power out of the flipper. Gotcha. Okay, and so this is 1947, we have flippers, and then what happens? Uh, 1970s, we start getting uh, solid-state electronics, which is everything that we know of now to be just simple electronics in there. They keep track of score when a ball hits a thing, that reads stuff like that, and instead of all the mechanical stuff would get taken out and replaced with electronical equipment, effectively. Okay. And we would get digital displays, finally. So that's like when we're seeing like the high score and everything that those finally showed up then. Yeah. Well, we, yeah. Now we're gonna see them though in. Yeah, we, we're gonna see them in digital like clock form. Before we always had the score up there, 
but it was the old school rollers, which I honestly prefer because I like the look of them. Right. But yeah, now we could do the digital display. And it, back then, it was only digital displays of scores. It wouldn't be a bunch of words. We wouldn't get flashy stuff like that until like the 80s when we got actual digital screens okay. and stuff put in. This was just the bare minimum because it was the future. We might as well use stuff like that. So, so that's when we got screens. Is that also when we got the whole thing at the end of every pinball game where it's like, let's see if you can match your number for a free play, or did that exist before that? Uh, to the best of my knowledge, we got the free play probably in the 70s. We would be doing stuff like that later in the 70s, for sure. Okay. There's definitely games that came out in the late 70s that had that. Also in the 70s is where we get Stern Pinball. Which is one of the most... It's the biggest pinball producer right now in America anyway, as far as I know. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just the world at this point. Okay. But at least in America. We move into the 80s, and this is where things get really digital. We're getting more lights, we're getting more interaction. We're getting full-on displays in the background. Uh, games that come to mind are the Star Wars pinballs. If you've ever played any of those. Yep. And there'll be pictures on our Facebook if you want examples of these. But yeah, we get stuff like the Star Wars pinballs is a good example of one people probably have seen. Or in the Star Trek and the Indiana Jones pinballs, stuff like that. It's also when we're getting a lot more big-named movie pinballs. They're not going to be random things. So, like, we had Black Knight before, we had Black Hole, Firepower, which were just generic themes. Mm -hmm. Now we're getting privatized pinballs, where people are paying for the rights to these properties and people are putting them out there. So is this like when the Guns N' Roses pinball would have been coming out? Yeah, we would have had Guns N' Roses. And like there would have been Elvis pinballs before this. I think that the Cubs pinball was the 70s. But we weren't getting stuff like like the Adams Family. is one of the best pinballs uh, all time. <laughs> or selling wise. Right. And that's when we started getting stuff like uh, the Adams Family, Indiana Jones, Star Trek came out. Because it turns out pinball was for nerds. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We get Star Wars, and to this day, is really most of the pinballs that come out now are third-party uh, properties. And that's modern. So pinball, even though it's been developing, we've kind of been in a standstill since the 80s. Like, boards have changed, what we do on them. But tech-wise, nothing's really, like, leaped us forward like anything else mm -hmm. that we've seen. So we've kind of been in the same state since the 80s. So the cool thing about going to stuff like Pinball Expo is we're seeing what's coming up next. And there's a handful of companies that work for the future and are working on some new tech, just trying to put in things that haven't been worked on and it'll bring in more people that are interested in this kind of stuff. But they work for the future? The uh, yeah, they travelers? work for the future. We have time-traveling pinball wizards now? I mean, all pinball players are wizards, sir. The Who has taught us that. And that's also, that's another example of when we see the popularity of pinball really spike. Mm -hmm. As we start seeing songs about it, such as Pinball Wizard. There's literally a whole rock opera that is loosely based on the premise of pinball and abusive adoptive parents. <laughs> I don't think they're adoptive parents. <laughs> adopted your parents and they abused you. <laughs> so we get everything. Um, also, another close relative to pinball, so, and it'll, it brings back the full that they're gambling machines, is Pachinko. All our Japanophiles out there. You know what Pachinko is. Yeah. They're virtually old-school pinball machines. Just now they're newer and they go up, however. I was watching a documentary one time about a guy who his entire job all day every day was just shining pachinko balls. 
Now, is that is that something you have to do with a pinball machine? Do you have to like maintain the balls themselves after like use, or I mean, like if you owned your own, of course, not if you're going to an arcade, you don't have to take care of theirs. But if I had a pinball machine, would I need to like take it apart, shine the balls up, anything like that? So yeah, so as you know, um, for all you people out in little podcast land, I work at an arcade every now and then, and. Yeah, so we take you take care of the pinballs. The top glass on our arcade machine slides off down the front. We'll take that off in about once a month, depending on how often the game gets played and like how it gets broken down and everything. You will wax the table if you're a decent owner. You'll wax and clean the playfield because that'll affect ball speed and it'll affect drag. And it'll just keep it nice. It'll keep everything looking crisp. Mm-hmm. You'll polish the balls if they get smudgy or gross because you want them to look good. First thing you see with a pinball is it's visual. It's a very visually engaging game, which helps lead, lead to the popularity of it. And there's various mechanical things that you have to that naturally you take over, like take care of. They wear down over time, like any other machine would. Right. And there's people that'll work on them all over the place. They're not super hard anymore. I know a lot of people now replace all the lights as well with LED lights because they make special LEDs that'll plug into the old style of lights now. Oh, that's probably pretty helpful. It's nice, because they last forever, and they really make it pop. I don't like it on some machines, because it just gets, like... A Dracula machine is usually a pretty dark table. And I I prefer that, as opposed to it being really bright and lit up. Right. But everyone has their personal preference. If you own yours, LED it. Make it look pretty. And then you take it to shows like the Pinball Expo that you get into for free, if you bring your own table, usually and put it in the pinball hall mm-hmm. and let people play it for the weekend and then you get to show off your sweet table to all these other people that brought their stuff and they'll try to buy it from you for really low prices and you'll tell them to suck it <laughs> <laughs> so what's what's the price of like a uh, if somebody out there wanted to buy a pinball machine that was like decent what, what price range should they be looking in so first they, they should know what they want because it goes everywhere if you're going to look for a nice used one, I've seen them, I think I could have walked out a couple years ago with one of my personal favorite tables, the Street Fighter 2 table, for $1,000. Okay. And it would have needed a little bit of work, but other than that, it looked fine. It played fine, because I played it all weekend. <laughs> so, like, you can go pretty cheap, but then there's higher ones that are going to be a couple thousand. Like, the uh, Walking Dead one? Would that be a more expensive one? The Walking Dead being new, pretty much the only way you're like, I think brand new, it's around eight thousand. I want to say. Oh wow. Yeah, like they're up there for brand new tables because, but so the Walking Dead's an example of, it's got a lot going on. So when we were talking about, they keep putting new stuff in. It's got a couple of spots with some magnets in there that are designed to hold the ball for abilities. It has a lot of interaction. There's a lot of side games that go on. Like, there's a lot in that table. They spent a lot of time on that table, mm-hmm. and the rights to that game cost more, because it's a huge title right now. Right. But that's, so for, yeah, so brand new, well, uh, brand new, I have this page up right now. There's a table coming out now called Dialed In from a company called Jersey Jack. They release at three levels, pinball tables normally do, a standard edition, a limited edition, and like a premium edition, however, whatever order they want to put it in. So for this table, the standard edition is $8,000. The expensive edition is 12500 the collector's edition. Okay. 
Um, I know, I want to say that the Batman table that just released, Batman 66, released at 14000 for the collector's edition. Like, they they get up there. New tables are not a small investment. Does Adam West come by and congratulate you for purchasing it? No, no but if you purchased it, yeah, I believe you got a free ticket to the Pinball Expo, and you could have met Adam West. Oh, well, that's kind of the same thing. Yeah, no, it's similar. That being said, if I had $14,000, I would have bought a collector's edition Adam West. Okay. Like, for pinball collectors, this isn't... Like, they're high-end collectors. They're putting a lot of money into this. They all are doing something to support this. Got it. Okay, so... Since the 80s, you said that we've kind of been in a standstill. Nothing really new has come out. It's just kind of been clearing everything up, and its tables have kind of become standardized. So what's coming now that's going to change that? So the two tables on my radar, the ones that I've kind of been looking out, is I'll go back to that Jersey Jack table I was talking about prices on. Uh, it's going to be it's called Dialed In. Unlike a lot of new tables... It is not a pre-existing intellectual property. It's a brand new theme. They're not using a movie or anything. They're not using another franchise to popularize this one. Mm -hmm. It is a completely original concept game. Designer is Pat Lawler. He's done two other ones that are really popular that I can't pull off the top of my head right now. Uh, the game's called Dialed In, as in phone for the dial. Mm -hmm. This table is... The playfield is pretty... Like, honestly, it's pretty straightforward. It's a normal table. It's got a really big screen, though. A digital screen on the back that's really engaging. It's gonna, it draws your eye in when you see it and moves around. Kind of, It looks like the back screen looks as if you're playing SimCity, which is kind of nice, I guess. I right. don't really look at the back screen when I play pinball. <laughs> this table, what it's got going new into it is this is going to be the first ever pinball machine, according to Jersey Jack Pinball to feature Bluetooth connectivity, so your phone, like, Bluetooth devices will be able to hook up to it for things. It has a camera on the playfield somewhere, because this is a phone theme, so uh, there's a selfie thing you can trigger, oh, which is pretty interesting. And it's supposed to have something... So I, I played a demo. I played an early demo. This game is still getting, like, finishing touches on it. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't... Like, we didn't have additional player capabilities yet, but you're supposed to be able to, like, do stuff with your smartphone to interact with, like, your friend's game while they're playing and you're waiting for your turn. <laughs> okay. Which seems very interesting to me. Other than that, this is a pretty straightforward table. It's got a couple of ramps. It's got a bunch of toys on the playfield like people like. Uh, some moving parts that are not super unique, but put in some good spots. It's well laid out. It's fine. But the Bluetooth and the camera and all that and how that works in is the stuff that's going to be interesting. Got it. Yeah, so so while you were talking about it, I pulled up, there's a uh, web page for the dialed-in thing where it's talking about the different special features it has. It's also doing 3D interactive projected images. Uh, so the way that works is there's this little box on one of the things that you can shoot in mm -hmm. that's got a ball trap that you'll shoot in, it'll grab the ball, and it'll play a little short video. Uh, you know those little, like, janky... Spencer's desk toys that project the 3D images. Yeah. It's kind of like one of those. And I don't mean to call Jersey Jack's pinball janky. That's not what I'm getting at. But I don't think it's all that impressive. It's nice because... Okay, so why it's impressive is the interactive part. The image itself is nothing new. Okay. The interactive part, though, is like... So it'll show a spider. You'll shoot into that uh, spot, and it'll 
like the spider will get squashed or whatever it does, it'll react to the ball being shot there. See, but it, I mean, is that really all that new for arcades? Like, I, I, like I remember growing up, I played that arcade game where you got to, to be a cowboy, and it was using, like, a 3D projected image like that where you were shooting them, and they would respond to being shot. It's relative, so it's new to pinball. Okay. Because everything in pinball is faster. So, like, you can respond to something getting shot, it triggers, you shoot it, it has a bit of, like, a couple seconds to respond. Mm-hmm. This is relatively new with pinball because, once again, not to be negative, I just don't think anybody's bothered putting it in there because what's the point of it? Right. It doesn't do much more than anything than a regular screen would have there. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of nice because we don't have to put a whole screen there. Now we just have to learn how to fix a 3D interactive projector when it goes down. <laughs> Yay! Okay. Uh, I will point that out about Jersey Jack pinballs. If you're looking to get a pinball for the first time, I'm not going to recommend their products. They are all very, very complicated as far as their boards go. They have a lot of triggers, a lot of switches. Upkeep is, I'm not going to say a nightmare, but compared to a lot of other pinballs out there, it's really complicated. It's not good to learn how to fix a pinball on, I would say. Okay. So you said there were two. So what was the other one that you saw, or what's the other one on your radar? So this other one's been on my radar now. It's in development uh, for a couple of years, I want to say three, four years maybe, that they've been working on it and building it. It is less of a pinball, and they're working on what they're calling a pinball platform. Everything about this pinball has been redeveloped from the ground up. I love everything about this. I think this is the way things should go. It's from a company called Multimorphic. If you want to Google it and look at their website, I highly recommend it. Multimorphic.com. It's very fun. They're building... So the beauty of home gaming, let's talk about this for a second, because that's who this is kind of designed at, is the home collector. Mm -hmm. The beauty about home gaming, the reason that we all have our consoles and our computers, we can play multiple games on those one things. So the downfall of big pinball machines is you're stuck playing that one game. Multimorphic is working against that. So you know the normal size of a pinball machine, you've played it before. Yep. They're roughly, they're like, we'll call it what, three feet? Yeah. Maybe three and a half. So picture the first two feet is a flat screen, a flat touch screen LED or LCD, whatever kind of TV screen it is. It doesn't really matter to me. So picture that's the front. So there aren't any bumpers down there or there aren't any like field bumpers or drop targets on that part. Okay. It's the screen and the screen is going to show the game underneath. Now, because we have a screen down there, we had to also completely redevelop the flippers and the bumpers and the lower playfield area. So instead of being put underneath the table like they normally are, and like so normally a playfield lifts up to work on it, mm-hmm. this is a suspended playfield, or a suspended bumper and flippers down there with the ramp and everything. So everything works above this pinball, okay, or above the playfield. So the reason this is really cool is they're using really simple levers, and you can see the whole mechanism as you play it from the top. From an engineering standpoint, it's beautiful. I love every second of this. And now, we so that's the bottom half of this table. The top half of this table are these modular play fields that plug in with little more than wire harnesses. Is That's what runs all arcade games, mm-hmm. or a bajillion miles of wires. And they're designed to pull out so you can replace the upper play field and effectively make whole new games. You'll change the program real quick on the bottom. It's very computer-driven. 
So you change the program, which changes the lower playfield, what shows up on the screen, and we just replace the top modular part of the playfield, and we have a whole new game. Yeah, I'm, and I'm looking at their website since you said to, to pull it up, and it says that the machine automatically identifies the installed upper module and configures the software accordingly. Yeah, it'll switch games to it automatically. Yep. So now on top of this, so we've got that upper playfield which changes, and you would think that that maybe 8 inches, 10 inches of playfield up there wouldn't change the whole game. It makes everything different. It drastically changes the way you play the game. All on right. top of this, we have... That screen I was talking about tracks the ball's movement. So the first game they put out for it is called Lexi Lightspeed Escape from Earth. Also, this is a new property they're doing. Lexi Lightspeed is 100% their own. I love it. This is one of the best pinballs I've ever played. It's up there in my top five. So on one of the levels in that game, it's called the Swamp. So you go in and you trigger the Swamp special ability, or like minigame within mm -hmm. the game. And minigames are nothing new in pinballs. They always say hit this many drop. Hit the flashing lights, and you get this, and you get your scores. My favorite flashing light that I need to hit is the one that says uh, I get the ball again because I was stupid when I launched it, and I immediately lost it because it dropped down the middle. It's a really good light. I'm a big fan of that one myself. Yeah, that that is my favorite light because I, I either do really well at pinball or I immediately kill myself, and that light has saved me many, many quarters. So but and one of the, so one of these mini-games where the flashing lights appear is there's little bugs that are flying around that lower screen because it's a monitor they can fly anywhere and since the game tracks the ball you can run over that bugs and you get extra points for running over the bugs okay. and when you run it's fantastic i highly recommend everyone goes up there they watch the video this is one of the few companies doing something to make a technological leap in pinball okay so so knowing how you feel about pinball how do you feel about the the pinball games that are like on your computer like i remember growing up i played that stupid windows pinball cosmic ray or whatever it was for days if you've got all right so if you don't have actual pinball so i'm fortunate enough to be within 20 minutes of an actual arcade where i could go and play some pinball right now we have the brand new ghostbusters pinball in there it's pretty nice it's voiced by a bunch of the actual ghostbuster voices mm -hmm. so if you can't just go and play some pinball, there's a couple that'll do. Like, so on my Game Boy, I used to play the pinball games. Like, I used to play Pokemon Pinball. Well, that's because Pokemon Pinball was amazing, as with most Pokemon products. Right, like, I've played the Theme Park Pinball games. I've played a bunch of them. I enjoy it. I, it's not the same for me. I'm a, I'd am rather feel the table as it acts and everything. Mm -hmm. But it'll do. They're acceptable. Space Cadet is the one I was trying to think of. The Windows one. Okay. Space Cadet. Yeah. So, yeah, no, they're fine. Okay. So that those that's the, kind of the new stuff. I mean, what kind of cool pinball games did you see while you were at the expo? Like you said, people can bring their own. I mean, what were some of the cooler ones that you saw? Uh, so some of the cooler ones. There is a Joust pinball. It is a two-player pinball. They are playing on opposite ends of the table. Again, like shooting against each other, effectively. Okay. Like, picture foosball, but pinball flippers instead on each end. Those are always fun to see. We see things like... I know the person who goes to all the pinball shows with me, Bubbles, is always really excited to see Attack from Mars. Not to be confused with the Mars Attacks game, like, property. Mm -hmm. But he, like, he's always excited to see that. That's probably his favorite table. Uh, we see a lot of old tables because we get to go to these things. Some that are pre-mushroom bumpers, like we were talking about. 
and those are always fun. So we see a bunch of weird Elvis ones. Uh, Elvira, Pinbot's always nice to see. Uh, anything else that really threw my mind? Anytime I see a Street Fighter 2, I get excited. When I see a Street Fighter 2 with the actual vinyl car in it, I get even more excited because the vinyl car alone is like 800 bucks. <laughs> um, nothing, like, nothing really stood out to me this year that we were... Um, what's a good one to see? Demolition Man's fun because you've got the two silver triggers you can play. Things like Terminator are sweet because instead of a plunger, you've got a little gun and you pull the trigger see, to launch the ball. The problem with those, at least for me, is I, I like to do like the skill shot where you don't quite pull it out all the way, and I don't feel like you can do that with a trigger. Oh, uh, you can't because... So those games adjust for it. They play a different skill shot. Mm -hmm. It's just making it sure that it goes usually down the right alley with the light there because you can change the light by hitting the flippers. I also, though, prefer, like, actual skill shots where it's lever-pulling-based. Okay. All right, so you are the uh, pinball wizard here, so I have some trivia questions for you to see how good your knowledge is. Uh, let's see. Let's see how it goes. All right, so what was Gottlieb's first Bagatelle game called, and what year was it made? A Bagatelle game? The pinball games before they were pinball games, before 1947. Oh, Gottlieb, uh... 1931? 1930, but close. What was the okay. name? I, I don't know the name of it. Baffle Ball. Okay. Alright, so you were close. What was the first pinball game that had a flipper? Oh, man. First pinball game with a flipper... Uh, I don't know what it was. It's going to be... I know it's a Gottlieb game. It is a Gottlieb game. Because for a long time, they were leading pinball innovation. Yep, it was Humpty Dumpty. Okay. So what? Uh, were, actually, I think I've played that. What were the three games in the Williams Amusement Park trilogy? In the Williams Amusement Park trilogy? Yep. Oh, jeez. Have I played any of these? Uh, Is Haunted House in that? No. Okay. Yeah, I don't... No, I assume... Comet, are they just named, like... Cyclone, okay. and Hurricane. Okay. What were Man, the you're giving me some real rough ones here. I, I will. Like, I threw the easy ones at you to, to warm you up. <laughs> so, alright. So what was the only Major League Baseball team that appears as a title to a pinball machine? Uh, that one is the Chicago Cubs. Okay. And, yeah, it was the 70s or something like that. What was unique about the Williams game Hey Burners 2? Did it have a loop? It was the first game to feature three-inch flippers. Three-inch flippers? Yep. Is that how long they are now? I honestly don't even know if that's how long they are now. I've never measured uh, the I, flippers. I, they, look, they look probably about three inches. All right. Yes. I, I'm going to mix one up. I'm gonna, this, so what was the pinball machine featured in Happy Days? Oh, man. that's a ro That requires me to have watched Happy Days. You jerk. Come on, it's very popular. What, Happy Days? All, yeah, well, Happy Days and the game. Everybody plays this game all the time. I doubt it. Uh, it's probably a huge collector's piece, actually. Happy Days was the 70s. I honestly can't even name a table that old. I do most of my work with the newer ones. It was Nip It. Nip It? Yep. Right in the bud. So, when you, Man. The, the table itself, I've, I've pulled up a picture of it. Bally made it. 
and it looks like two guys who are out fishing, and it's got mushroom bumpers on it, and it looks pretty plain. But it was in probably like they all looked like that back in the day. Yeah, it's it's it. Looking at pictures of it, it's a lot flatter than the games you see today. Yep. You know what? I think I've probably I think I've seen this table. What was the three highest production games in modern pinball history? In modern pinball history? Yep. Adam's Family? Yep. Uh, I'll give you a hint. The next two are the same game. It's just the version and then the deluxe version. Oh, oh yeah. Um, oh, man. Let's see. It's just, you're killing me with this. It's just the deluxe version. Adam's Family was my go-to. Is that the number one? That is That is number one. Okay, I figured that was number one. You think I'd see it? I'd be able to just go with the table I've seen the most of. I don't know if I can. It's not Revenge from Mars. It's billiards themed, if it helps. Um, it almost does. It's not Breakshot, is it? Ah, uh, it's Eight Ball. Okay. Oh, um, that's also a really popular pinball theme is pool. Pool and soccer are two of the most non-trademarked, I'd say, themes that I've seen. Okay. Oh, fun fact, fun fact. There was supposed to be a Crocodile Hunter pinball machine. But he died? Yeah. What's the only other classic video game that Williams turned into a pinball machine besides Joust? Ooh, that Williams did? Yep. Uh, besides Joust? There's gotta be a Pac-Man table. There's a baby Pac-Man table. Yeah, there's a baby Pac-Man table. There's also a... Super Mario Brothers table. That's similar to the Baby Pac-Man table. But Baby Pac-Man isn't it, is it? It's not. What was He-Man? Oh, he was a Master of the Universe. Yep. But the answer is Defender. That's fair. Oh, he was a Defender of the Universe. Okay. That's weird. Defender of all things? I'm surprised they didn't. Okay. Okay. Making me look scrub on these questions. Let's go. Hey, hey. I'm not making you look scrub. You're doing that to yourself. But we'll, we'll end it on one that you almost certainly should have the answer to. At the start of the 60s, what were the only two pinball companies producing games? Oh, we would have Gottlieb back then? Yep. Of the 60s, is the other one Bally? Nope. Williams? Correct. Okay. There you go. We'll end it on one that you actually did decently at. See what happens when you use all the easy ones on the stupid warm-up? I know. So you know, guys, before we did this, I answered like five of them much closer to accurate than that. No, no, you answered all of them pretty accurately. I think that you were only off on maybe one, but yeah, you were you were batting them out of the park. Yeah, the one that I was off on was by like a year. But that's okay, because we still love you, because you have a lot of pinball knowledge, just this pinball trivia rec room amusement site apparently has more than you. It does. It was going for all the stuff that, like, half of those questions were from before pinballs I even, act, like, interacted with. Sometimes you have to expand your knowledge by losing a little bit. Learn more from a loss than a win. Exactly. So, the Pinball Expo, it happens in Chicago every year? Oh, uh, yeah, every year, I want to say mid-August, usually. And it's nice because, like I said, we see new stuff from new companies, Stern which is the biggest pinball company right now, like we said earlier. And they produced, they rolled out Batman 66 for the first time. You didn't get to play it. So I question if it's 
in a playable state, really. Mm-hmm. But we got to see what everything looked like, and they were taking pre-orders on it. We got to see what all the table art looks like. Uh, that'll be on our Facebook page. It's a beautiful table. It's got all of the sweet Batman 66 TV show villains and references. It, it made me giddy. So from what I'm reading about online, it looks like it's going to have actual voiceover work while you're playing the game from Adam West? Um, if I'm not mistaken, and I honestly might be Adam West, maybe Burt Ward. Okay. And I know that, and this is just outside of knowledge of this, I know Catwoman, I want to say Ivana something, mm-hmm. also still does, or is still around. I know she just did work on a cartoon for a Batman 66 thing, so she might, she could be in it reasonably. Okay. Like I said, we didn't get to play it, so we didn't get to hear all the voice actions and stuff. We just, they had the idle videos on in the background on the digital screen. Okay. And so you said we're going to be posting that up on the Facebook page for people to take a look at? They will be on the Facebook page, indeed. Okay. I'll make an album that'll just be pinball, and the three new games I talked about will be on there for sure. I I gotta think about what other pictures I might have. Okay, well, I mean, we could probably throw up some of those older pictures so people can kind of see the evolution, too. They'll probably appreciate that. So, is there anything else about Pinball that you want to share with everybody? It's coming back with a vengeance, becoming more and more popular, but other than that... Is there a Winnie the Pooh Pinball out there? Maybe? Probably? I wouldn't be surprised if there were... I'm sure he's on a Pinball. I want to know. I want you to make me a Winnie the Pooh Pinball machine. Oh, man, I don't have the 300 feet worth of wiring for that. Uh, Winnie the Pooh pinball machine. Ha, huh, there is one. Right. It, oh, wow. It's one of the old school ones. Okay. Well, Winnie the Pooh's kind of old school. That's fair. Okay, so I think that wraps up pinball for this week. Going into other two nerds-related items, uh, we were supposed to have our first D&D podcast coming out this week, and there's been a delay on it. Essentially, we recorded it twice. The first time that we recorded it, uh, there was some issues with the audio where one of the players' voices was just a screechy robot coming through and so i didn't test the vocals beforehand and so that two hours went down the drain and then after that uh, we recorded it it came through correctly and then while i was saving it the file corrupted so the first two episodes have been recorded twice and both times they bombed and so we're gonna do a little mini episode that's gonna wrap up what happened in those episodes and then put that out for you guys so that you can kind of use that as a Premer for where the D&D folk are and what they're doing and why they're doing it. And then we're just going to essentially be jumping straight to episode three. But those are going to be getting recorded today after this, and they should be coming out the first week of November, the same time that this is coming out. So if this is out, the D&D one should also be out, so take a listen for that. That is going to be a weekly podcast. We record it two episodes at a time and then we essentially chop it in half and put out one every week because we record it every two weeks this podcast will still be coming out bi-weekly it didn't manage to get out this week this last week because essentially my job is eating up all of my time in the month of october and so we really didn't have time and then when it came time to record i wasn't really feeling awesome so instead we're getting pushed back a week but the stuff is still coming. Uh, we're still looking to get it out there for you. You know, if we really want to hear back from you on what you guys want to hear about, 
and that way we can keep interacting with you guys to be able to put out product that you want to hear. We're going to try and scale down what we're talking about to more nerdly stuff, you know, taking on the Seven Samurai as our third episode may have been a bit ambitious for us, but we're just going to talk about things that we like, so unless we hear from you guys, you're just going to keep hearing random stuff from us. Yeah! That's what we like to talk about. Like, that's the idea, is what do we normally talk about? Let's record it for y'all. Yep. I found a Timon and Pumbaa pinball machine. Nice! Oh, what is it? Uh, the Roller Coaster Tycoon one is really interesting to me. Yeah. Just also, like, I don't know why I didn't say that to the, for the video game answer. Because you're a bad person, probably. <laughs> uh. So anyway, to, to wrap things up, we want to push this week, you know, we, we talk about doing the, the game of the week. The game of the week that we want to push this week is really your local arcade. Get out, go spend some time down there, go spend some quarters down there, take some friends, because gaming at home is is fun and all but gaming at the arcade is what we grew up doing and arcades are dying because nobody is going anymore because of home machines arcades are fun get out there go play the different games play the games that are intentionally there to steal your money like the crane games play the arcade games play the basketball games play the pinball games it's so satisfying all right so it's so satisfying to win those games and i'm going to tell you right now that every time somebody wins a crane game the operator cringes because it sucks you won it makes them so mad and it makes me so happy <laughs> and and what's even better than that to me is i mean i remember back in the day going in and seeing my name still on the high score list on an arcade machine and the just the sense of joy that came with that knowing that i was better than everyone else yeah exert your dominance in an arcade breed healthy competition and don't just, so this is what I'm going to tell you if you go into an arcade, don't just sit down and play your Pac-Mans and your Galagas and your Dig Dugs, and if you're lucky enough to have one of the Nintendo machines, you can play Super Mario Brothers in an arcade. Sure, you can, but you've played all of those. This is your chance to play weird games. If I could recommend a game right now, if I'm picking an arcade game, walk in, if they have a Neo Geo, look for Wind Jammers, you won't be disappointed. They've got a, a Neo Geo machine. You can also play, if you're a uh, 2D fighter kind of guy, some Samurai Showdown, which was an amazing game. Metal Gear, usually on the Neo Geo machines. Look for, if we're talking about 2D fighters and on Neo Geo machine, look for a game called Waku Waku 7. It's this game that takes parody of everything in anime and Japanese games and culture, and all of the characters are effectively one of those. And it's got a bunch of mechanics that are a little earlier than it's time that they implemented okay. It's real fun. And King of Monsters. I love oh, yes, King and of King of Monsters. Monsters. What's, the, uh, what's the baseball game where it's like futuristic baseball? Uh, Something, something, something All-Stars. Yeah, look for that, too. Something, something, something All-Stars. I don't speak Japanese is the reason I can't tell you the rest. And it's probably like something like Super Shenanigan Awesome Guys, because they like names like that. They're a real big fan of Hyperbole. In Japanese arcade game titles. Play some, like, cruising or some rush. Driving games are fun, guys. Yeah. Especially when you're playing against friends. Yeah. 
definitely want to push people to go out and actually play their local arcade. You know, more people who go out there, the more, pe more money that's coming in, the better machines that they can get in for you guys. And honestly, it's a fun thing to do. I mean, you can play games with people you wouldn't normally play with when someone steps up to you and tries to prove that they're better than you at MVC2, and then you just laugh at them while you Dr. Doom Magneto combo them to death. So good. Uh... If we're playing Marvel vs. Capcom 2, you can Dr. Doom Magneto combo to death, but your third pick better be Servebot just to further exert dominance that you beat them while carving pumpkins. It is the time of year to carve pumpkins. Go play Indeed. MBC 2. Play Servebot. Alright, well I think that's going to wrap it up for the show for this week. A uh, little bit of a shorter episode, but we wanted to make sure that we covered this topic, and we didn't want to extend it out too much so that you were listening to us babble for no reason. Uh, once again, if you want to support the podcast, please go to audibletrial.com slash twonerdswalkin or go twonerdswalkin.com slash support. The Audible link is on there. Again, Audible is a product that I use all the time. I have just spent 80-some-odd hours re-listening to the Game of Thrones Book 2, which... I've watched the series, and I like the books better, but I can't read those words. As much as I like reading, I read tons of stuff. I, I can't read through Game of Thrones, but I can listen to it, and when I listen to it, it's really well done, and the guy who narrates it is awesome, and it's not Will Wheaton like was in Ready Player One, who Will Wheaton did a really good job, but I have to hate Will Wheaton, so I can't acknowledge his good things. So go do your Audible. It's fantastic for when you're in the office and not doing anything, if you can wear a headset at the office, if you're riding a train to work, if you're riding in your car to work and you can hook up your bluetooth audible is awesome you should go out there you should definitely use it if you go to the audible trial.com slash two nerds walk in you can get a free month and you can get a free audiobook to try it out if you don't like it you can cancel it doesn't cost you a thing to do it i definitely suggest you do that we also have our patreon account on our two nerds walk in dot slash support that you can go to if you just want to support us directly and not through Amazon. But again, I suggest Audible. I think it's a really good product. I spend far too much time listening to it for my own good. I listened to it for the first month now. I decided to pick up God is Disappointed in You. Well, it's true. He is. And I was super happy. You know, it's a fantastic book that's, I don't want to say a retelling, but it's a fun little summarization slash... Like, it is a retelling in a lot of ways of the various books of the Old Testament. Okay. It's surprisingly enlightening and surprisingly fun. If you are a highly religious folk, I'm not going to recommend it to you. Well, if you're a highly religious folk, you're probably not listening to our podcast. We haven't done anything that offensive yet. It's coming. Wait till our philosophy show. Oh, and I'm a philosophy major, so I'm prepped for that episode, and I will not be taking a back seat. All right. <laughs> Once again, I am Randy Boyles. I'm Aaron Simon. And this is Two Nerds Walking Out.